1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media, 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. Welcome to another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Devin Hassan, who's the sports editor for our papers out in Rowlett and Mesquite, as well as Kendrick Johnson, who's the sports editor for the McKinney Courier Gazette. And gentlemen, let's talk some football. You know, we're going to kind of uh, shift gears for the rest of the month and just kind of focus pretty uh, pretty solely on the gridiron. You know, um, I should uh, just kind of clarify: in the coming weeks, we're going to unveil our uh, our spring football primer series uh, starting next week you know for the next uh you know through the end of the month we're going to focus on our 6a and 5a football districts kind of give you all a, a kind of a bit of insight as just kind of where our programs are at in the midst of their uh, of their off seasons but beforehand uh, guys i wanted to focus on another part of the uh, of the football off season something that's become a bit more prominent in recent years has kind of really taken on a much larger space in the texas high school football landscape and that's seven on seven um you know seven on seven really does kind of begin in earnest this weekend at least within the metroplex with the start of the uh we've already got one state qualifying tournament in the books but starting this week um, out in grapevine it's the start of a run where we got what like a month you know month five weeks straight of nothing but uh, us state qualifying tournaments and we're gonna have teams from all throughout the metroplex competing in these trying to take a shot at uh trying to take a shot at getting to state and um yeah just kind of in the uh as seven on seven begins to further pick up steam wanted to take this time just to kind of just discuss seven on seven in general kind of what it's become what these uh you know programs kind of take away from it what the pros and cons to it are and just what uh, it's kind of it's importance within the football offseason. I mean, there's a bunch of different theories, a bunch of different schools of thought for just how important 7-on-7 seven seven is, um, whether it's for the players, coaches, us as spectators, media members. When you guys are out at a uh, at a 7-on-7 seven seven state qualifying tournament, what is it that you're kind of looking for?
2: Well, I mean, it, it really just depends on, on the, the individual you know aspect of it is mm-hmm. as far as is if it's a state qualifying tournament Really from a coverage standpoint you're just trying to chase down as much as you can yeah. whereas mm-hmm. whereas at the state 7 on 7 tournament you have a little ch- a chance to focus a little bit more um, you know it's it's not so much the wins and losses and I don't think mm-hmm. that's I mean every team wants to do that I just think they're that since the coaches are not directly involved they're bystanders themselves mm-hmm. they're looking for things outside of wins and losses yeah. they're looking for how their team reacts to a situation how their kids are behaving you know little things like that for anybody
1: mm-hmm. who's never who's never seen Seven on seven, it is the complete opposite from what you see, you know, during the fall. It's a it's a great outlet, you know, for, to develop your skill positions, your quarterbacks, your receivers, your defensive backs. Um, the rules are a little bit different. Contact is obviously, you know, largely discouraged. It is essentially a game of two hand touch, and um, you know, there's no pass rush or anything like that. But it does at least give you a chance to, you know, to kind of further develop the rapport between quarterbacks and receivers. Which, depending on where your program is at, if you have a brand new signal caller behind center, that can be some Very valuable time as he develops chemistry with his receivers. Um, You know, some teams are uh, are very active in the state qualifying tournament circuit. Even though we don't, you know, we don't cover this school. You know, Arlington Lamar. I mean, I think it's yeah, seven on seven is is like is one of the centerpieces of their offseason every single year. They're competing in every single SQT that they can. Whereas you have programs like McKinney ISD, for example, Kendrick, where you know you might get McKinney High in a state qualifying tournament or two, but for the most part, they tend they kind of keep things kind of in house more or less.
3: They have a little thing that they play each other like one week North will play um, McKinney and the Playboy, play Boyd and next week Boyd will play both and they kind of cycle through mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a local thing but um, like you like alluded to earlier I look for um, mainly quarterbacks receivers and DBs and see yeah. if people can actually cover if somebody can actually spin it because you can kind of see if you're struggling 707 you uh, ain't going to be able to do it on Friday nights and then little things like kid you not last year I'm watching McKinney play This guy drops two bombs. He shook everybody. Mm -hmm. Boom! He dropped the same bomb in the McKinney um, Boy Crosstown showdown. True story. So little stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's a little. It's a mental thing that make a big deal in the big picture. Well, and and, you know,
2: (laughs) just a little hit because I'm gonna date myself here. Okay. But you're you're talking about you're talking about the evolution of of the game. You know, this last year was the 20th anniversary, I guess, of Mm -hmm. when the Seven on Seven started, and that first tournament had 16 teams. You yeah. don't? No. <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, if you look back at that time frame, a lot of coaches simply weren't interested because mm-hmm. a lot of the teams that were winning state championships then were running the wing T, the mm-hmm. option. They, they did not, you know, and I was, remember back talking right around that time frame. Yes, I was around about that time. Uh, <laughs> to uh, the only team that I covered in the Garland-Mesquite area that Mm -hmm. actually ran a pass-oriented offense was South Garland, and that was Ronnie Thompson, who was Mm -hmm. the head coach out there. And Ronnie Thompson is kind of one of the pioneers of the spread offense. In fact, he was running it back in 1980, um, when he was at Port Arthur Jefferson Man. well, His his quarterback at Port Arthur Jefferson Was Todd Dodge So and when Todd Dodge took over to South Lake Herald And they had that dominant run through the mid-2000s yeah. The spread was already growing But when South Lake had that amount of success The spread just it went like wildfires Everybody tried to copy that plan And that's when I think you really saw the rise In 7-on-7 seven seven because once they started Running these pass-happy offenses mm-hmm. They really saw the benefits of getting those extra Workouts during the summer
1: Interesting It's also, um, I mean, it's, it's you, you you guys mentioned just kind of the chemistry Aspect of this and I think The uh, the fact that you can't have coaches Participate in 7 on 7 like you said They're just bystanders I think it is Also kind of neat just to see how um, how, how the kids kind of respond To when, when there isn't a coach there To kind of rein them in and you get to see kind of You know where the uh, where the leaders kind of You know show out and step up and You know just see how kids kind of handle a uh, Yeah because I mean these kids are competitors I
3: love the communications like you'll see You'll see the coach in and all of a sudden you you see this And you see certain play call And then uh, And then all of a sudden You see Because they can't the, do the, anything yeah. yeah You see the, the Freestyle yeah, yeah. communication Because like the, the quarterback All the time It's like You know how You see the everybody like look over you don't see it that dramatic but you see the quarterback every time he's he mm-hmm. got his he got his head so it's just funny how the communication signals go but um, I know some schools not necessarily one ones in McKinney but in this area will use that to be able to get that up tempo mm-hmm. so because if you have a talented enough quarterback he needs whatever hand signals or whatever and they yeah. start working on that and it's perfected by the time they get to district play and then that's how you see them never want to huddle they got the hand signals because the quarterback's got that down and he, his receivers better have it down or it ain't going to be out there. So I know that's kind of looting with Devin Tech the evolution of the spread now, especially with the up-tempo because mm-hmm. he went from just spreading people out and throwing to now it's like like I won't no say compare basketball seven seconds or less is like that quick corner get boom and yep. you can do that in 707
1: and a lot of teams run a lot of the same pass concepts route trees and stuff that they do during the season. There are some programs that just have like seven on seven specific offenses and whatnot. But um, I I was thinking like I noticed like last time like as far as you know if you're if you're in our standpoint you're trying to find you know what what skills are kind of translatable to the fall like what can you truly extrapolate from watching seven on seven and things like you know I just think. Of when I was covering you know Plano Senior last year during seven on seven, and you see little wrinkles that like you know you just kind of file away for later on. Like watching seven on seven, it became pretty apparent that you know Plano's top receiver Kayla McAway, was going to be an absolute monster in jump ball situations because you could just see you know how, how that kind of bears out in seven on seven, and that's one of those things that you know the rules aren't you know restrictive enough to where you know they don't discourage contact entirely, but if you if you have two players going up for a jump ball, player comes down with it, then it seems conceivable that that's something that could carry over. Plus um the way that they use their um because it's just you can't obviously your running backs participate in this too, but obviously they're used as receivers. But um about to oh, <laughs> check Kumi out <I> mean. <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah Kyron Cumby, that was the <laughs> first time I had seen Kyron Cumbie as a receiver because obviously he's lining up in the slot there. Good and <laughs> you see just how like obviously anybody who's seen him play running back knows how just dangerous he is in space. Legit kid but is <laughs> but mean, um, in seven on seven just watching just how easily he was able to just I mean they would just run some shorts up with them that we'd expect out of a Slot receiver, but once he gets in space, I mean, his ability just to break things wide open was just like, wow, like this Plano might actually be able to use something with this because of just how effortless he was making it look as a receiver. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, there were times this season where they, you know, they plugged in Cummy as a slot receiver. And,
3: he's, he, people and he, was, he
1: wound up leading the team in receiving yardage. And yeah, it, he it's, doesn't seem to receive any Yeah. I didn't know
2: that. It's, it's, it's similar to what, um, you know, Curtis Williams, uh, mm-hmm. he just graduated from over at West Mesquite. Yeah. Um, he was the sophomore of the year um, mm-hmm. as a running back. But through their seven-on-seven workouts, he really kind of emerged and showed his talents. Uh, just as that little slot receiver, mm-hmm. and so that's something that they've really incorporated. In fact, they actually moved him to wide receiver uh, full time at one point uh, wow. during that two years before realizing, "No, we need you back in the backfield." Uh, but that was something that they kind of they kind of saw in seven-on-seven and uh, were able to fine tune for the for the fall, and it really helped him out because I think he ended up leading them in receiving. Oh yeah, so, if nice. you can if
1: you can add that extra element to your offense, I mean, yeah. if you can take you like Curtis Williams, Kyron Cumbie, your most dangerous player playmaker and give just throw just a different wrinkle just something to where you got to keep that defense guessing just how he's going to be used I mean yeah it can only it can only serve you better going forward on the defensive standpoint you can kind of see people can
3: cover Mm -hmm. but um, one thing that's uh, that's very underrated is kind of like like Devin said you see how the kids act yeah because the I'm not trying to throw his name out there But the guy that dropped the ball <laughs> Had a bad attitude mm-hmm. And it came back And cost McKinney In the Croshtown Showdown mm-hmm. So it all transpires Like you think Oh they're just playing 7-on-7 seven seven in July And then in November In front of 10,000 people Guy had like eight or nine touchdowns, hit them in the hands, and then that one play just shifted momentum in that game, and it's a classic game. So, I'm the, for forever, McKinney's going to be as that guy. <laughs> but you <laughs> saw remnants of it in July, which is kind of crazy that it go all the way back that it all added up.
2: And, and that's what when I went down there a couple of years ago to the state event, there are college guys out there watching. College coaches are mm-hmm. out there just kind of checking out. They understand this is not real football. Yeah. They're not out there trying to judge your. I mean, obviously, you can kind of see what kind of athlete the guy is, but again, they're looking at the attitude. That's all they're looking at. Mm-hmm. When a guy drops a pass, how does he come back and react in the huddle? If a quarterback throws an interception, they don't care what ha- how he acts when he throws a 50-yard bomb for a touchdown. They care how he acts you know, coming back, getting the team rallied after an interception yep. on both sides of the ball. Those are what those college coaches are looking at.
3: Yeah, I would, I would say be all man. And way look at but they do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> One thing about seven on seven that I've um, I always enjoy is when you get to see the private schools and kind of how like, because when you think of programs like Prestonwood or Fort Worth All Saints relative to like these giant six A public schools, I feel like if there's any like any area where the gap between seven on seven and eleven on eleven just it could not be more yeah. <laughs> more irrelevant is just when you see programs like like Prestonwood just going blow for blow with just the absolute juggernauts because <laughs> that's like it's crazy because Prestonwood first off Prestonwood's already qualified for state they were one of the two one of the uh, you know one of the three state, uh, state qualifiers at the Frisco uh, SqT um, you know last uh, was it earlier this month and then um, so yeah I mean but with Prestonwood you know, obviously because again there's no line play you know you don't really the size you know isn't as, isn't as big a factor if it's just literally skill positions and Prestonwood's got solid skill position players every year but just watching them just go up and down and trade haymakers with these programs that, you know, in the fall, that would, you know, it would run them off the field most likely. Like Preston would, they beat South Lake Carroll last year. They've gone blow for blow with DeSoto. They they lost to the Woodlands by one point at State. So it just, because with the private schools, you know, they're slotted into that Division One class with the, uh, the 5A and 6A schools for 7-on-7 purposes. But um, I don't know, it's just like... Some funny, some funny little wrinkle. Just that you kind of notice yeah. that the private schools get to kind of test their metal against you know some of the top prospects you know elsewhere in the state. Teams that they won't get to see at all during the, <laughs> well, during the and, fall.
2: And, and used to you get to see a smaller school like Salina, who yeah. was a small school power, take on these big. Now they've since got, gone to number three divisions. Now yeah. it's been two just because the number of teams that they, they've um, as it kind of becomes more popular in the mm. lower classifications. But yeah, that was always fun too because Salina had a seven-time state champion. But how often do they get to you know play Plano? Oh yeah, play. and Absolutely. then Solana
1: would always hold their own at those seven on seven events. I uh, saw so, um, so like we haven't mentioned a team like you know you mentioned it kind of how every team has a kind of a different philosophy, and it's it does sound like it's kind of related to the coaches. You know, I know for the longest time, like Louisville ISD, like Hebron was really the only program that consistently did seven on seven over the summer. But I just noticed in that Frisco SQT, you had a team like Marcus. You know, first time I've seen Marcus in an SQT in forever. And then this Saturday out of Grapevine, you've got Louisville in there for the first time. <laughs> You're like, well, look what it's, the wind, the wind. Just, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> (laughs) I mean,
2: it is a coach's philosophy thing. I mean, Saxie has had one of the top passing offenses in the state for the last, I mean, Kit Myers, three-year starter uh, now at Utah State. Jalen Maiden, Mm -hmm. uh, three-year starter now at Mississippi State. Um, I mean, these guys put up video game numbers, but you hardly ever saw them in an SQT. They play a little citywide. They get in those Mm -hmm. little, you know, one-day tournaments with Wiley and that group that's close to them. But that coaching staff, Coach Barron's and them, just have never really stressed, hey, we want you, we're going to compete in two or three SQTs. In fact, they've never even qualified for the state tournament because they've only, you know, been in a handful mm-hmm. of SQTs. But, you know, so it just, it depends on, they, I think they would rather have them doing do other things in the summer.
1: Allen's kind of the same way. Um, you know what, Allen, like Allen hardly ever competes in SQTs. The last time that they did was in 2014, and that was more so at the behest of the players. This was back, like, in the tail end of the Kyler Murray uh, reign of terror. And, um, I mean, they qualified for state, and obviously they're, they're very good at seven-on-seven, but it's just one of those things they just kind of prefer to keep it, you know, in-house, what they uh you know kind of a, an aside on allen one thing that they did a few years ago and I believe this was right at the tail end of uh, coach Westerberg, uh, Tom Westerberg in his last year with the program um, they had uh, entering that offseason they had four quarterbacks between varsity and jV and there's it's Allen's so you'd expect there's a ton of kids within the program that were playing in seven on seven so what they did is they just played seven on seven amongst you know one another and the way that they went about splitting up teams was that they held a fantasy draft <laughs> they decided just they had the uh, they let the four Quarterbacks be the uh, be the captains, and then they legit went and had like a snake style fantasy draft where they just picked among the receivers, DBs, linebackers, running backs, and that's just then those were the teams for the uh, for the summer. Um, so let's see. I mean, so yeah, we'll have you know there will be state qualifying tournaments, you know, in the coming weeks. We get asked all the time, you know, what is what do you guys do during the summer? Once yeah. school, you know once schools are out because there's nothing going on. Well, at least for a June, lot. Yeah, at least for June, we're going to focus a lot of coverage on seven on seven. So, um, you know, we'll be out and about at the various SQTs, and um, you know, once it'll all culminate, you know, at the end of uh, at the end of June, the 20th through the 30th, at the state tournament, which is down in uh, in College Station, Jeff. I'll be
3: running around through the, the star local leadership area. So you might see me popping up at a school near you.
1: <laughs> so then um, one of the, uh, obviously one program that, um, you know, is pretty, uh, I believe Frisco Lone Star does some seven-on-seven, if I recall. One of the, uh, you know, one of the key pieces to, uh, to Frisco Lone Star's success last season was the emergence of stud wide receiver Marvin Mims. And uh, Kendrick, this was the subject for our Fast Forward Rewind student athlete spotlight. Kendrick was out and about, chatted up Marvin Mims just to kind of get a catch up on his offseason, how the Rangers are coming along. And um, we'll check in and see what Marvin had to say after a word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news.
3: Ken Johnson coming to you once again. This time we're in Frisco at Lone Star, home of the Rangers, with the star wide receiver, star junior wide receiver, Marvin Mims. Marvin, give us some insight to your, your offseason and getting all these offers.
4: Uh, well... The recruiting process for me has been overwhelming. You know, after a good season last year, going four rounds deep, I didn't really expect it to be like this. But ever since January, I've had a lot of coaches call me during the open period and offer me and come in and look at me and invite me to their junior days.
3: Out of the fact that you know people, you're on people's radar from a scouting standpoint and from my like other teams going to be gunning for you this year, how much does that motivate you going into your offseason and getting ready for next season?
4: Uh, really in the offseason, I have to work harder. You know, last year we had Kirby and MJ. So those guys were mostly game-playing on Kirby and MJ and how they run and stuff. So I just get let loose. But now the teams are going to be gunning on me and DJ. So I have to make plays for myself, and I really depend on them to make plays for me.
3: How much confidence do you have the fact that people have confidence in you that you're going to be that guy to make plays for this team next year?
4: I mean, confidence is never really a problem. You know, you get... Some plays you make, some plays you don't. You just got to get back up and keep playing. I mean, game's up and down, so you just got to keep your head throughout the whole thing.
3: How, how much motivation do you have after coming so close to almost getting to that regional final and um, playing against Legacy last year? Do you want to rematch against them? I shoot straight up. you want to rematch against Legacy? Right, yeah,
4: I love playing against Legacy again. You know, it's a good team that got us at the beginning. I feel like they didn't get that hot start. I think we would have uh, came out at the end, you know, a couple mistakes in our hand. But I feel like we should have won that game, and we'll get another chance this year.
3: How much motivation do you have off of that, knowing that, you, that even though they beat y'all, y'all definitely can beat them, and y'all definitely on that level? Is that something y'all talk about here, or just like, y'all just put that in the past, and y'all focus on ahead?
4: I mean, pretty much we put it in the past, but uh, we have a lot of returning people from varsity last year. I know it hasn't lost their mind as we go into the season next year, you know, play Highland Park the third game, and we get in the playoffs, you know, it's like, we have uh, experience, so it would be good for us.
3: How big of a deal to be that second team in Frisco history to go to that Texas Bowl?
4: Uh, it's a really big deal. You know, uh, You know, being the only team in Frisco that's really big, so just try to uh, get better as it goes on. Does feel
3: good? Do yeah, y'all take pride in being the best team? I mean, the fact that y'all district, everybody's Frisco, y'all see everybody at least once a year. The fact that y'all the top dogs in this city, is that something y'all talk about? Or y'all I mean, focus on the bigger things?
4: <laughs> I mean, Coach Rayburn always talks about uh, this championship. If we get hype off a district championship you know that's kind of the standards for us it's not the standards for us this championship is something that we expect uh, ourselves to do and as we walk around the city with the lone star shirt they know who we are so it's really important to us being the best school out here
3: how much pride do you have to be part of the lone star football program
4: i mean the lone star football program is like no other program you know the things we do in the off season they get us prepared for the season you know the coaches we have it's just special here
3: Give us some insight to the hard work y'all been putting in to get ready for next season because I mentioned y'all practice, man. y'all going at it like it's September already.
4: I mean, yeah, that's how we do it, you know, uh, defense, offense. You know, we have a new offensive coordinator coming in, so we have to learn a new offense. And with that, the defense is picking up on us with their old stuff. So it's like, you know, we have to find a way to adjust with the new things that we learned, and it's really hard. But I think we're trying to get a hang of it.
3: How cool is it to be playing home games at the Star, home over the Cowboys practice and have something like you can tell your kids in the future?
4: I mean, playing at the star, it's honestly such a blessing, you know. You get in late October, it gets starts getting cold and all that stuff, I mean, just playing at the star. So, like, playing there is like nothing else, you know. Temperate, really nice, nice turf, just nice area.
3: And somebody going to talk and tell your kids and stuff as you get older? In fact, did you play there? Like, oh, that's- yeah,
4: that's definitely special. That practice facility is crazy.
3: <laughs> get some insight to the support because like you kind of t- t- touched on earlier it's like expected for y'all to be days it's not like wished upon
4: yeah i mean we have high expectations here you know ever since that 2015 team went to the state championship everything from then on it's just been state championship state championship state championship and with last year's team i feel like we had the uh, team to do it you know I've, i honestly believe that was the best team to come through Lone Star. We just had to put some pieces together, and we made some mistakes, but that's on us.
3: What, what do you say to those people like that see you play like, yeah, he can play, he's fast, but he's too little.
4: I mean, honestly, it's not really about how big you are, you know. I mean, I'm working on it, but it's just about how much heart you have, how much you want to get the job done, and technique you have to get the job done. It's really all that matters.
3: So somebody's never seen you play. Give us a scouting port uh, on yourself.
4: I mean, I'm quick, quick uh, out of my breaks, real fast, deep threat, you know, offensive weapon.
3: I looked at your um, huddle highlights and stuff. Would it be safe to say that you that you um, kind of have a game similar to Ryan Bros that played for Oklahoma a couple years ago?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's real simple. You know, be able to run deep, run fast, you know, run by people. You know, there's going to be a point where there's going to be people who just fast me. and I feel like I'm ready for that with the amount of breaks I do and all that stuff, just like in camps. You know, they have athletic guys out there too. And that technique just builds up on that athleticism and that going to help.
3: So what's two or three things you're going to add to your game that we didn't see this year that you're going to be working on the summertime to show us once 2018 kickoff in August?
4: Uh, this year I'm going to have to add some route running. You know, the teams are going to be gunning for me. I have to be able to make moves on one person and go to the next person and make a move on them. So that's really important as I'll have, you know, safety stacked up and all that type of stuff. Just being able to make plays for my team.
3: I know you, you worked hard to be on this level, but when you hear your name listed as one of the best receivers, not only in this area, but in the state of Texas, how much pride do you have in that? Or do you, something you just kind of tune out?
4: I mean, it's uh, so much pride. You know, all the hard work I've done, not only for football, but just athleticism-wise, you know, all the years i spent playing sports and it's finally paying out, so it's really, really blessed. Really
3: okay. So, you, you, so you, you're taking on the talent. like, you know, like, next year, every time you see a, a Lone Star scouting report, you're going to have players to watch, Marvin Man.
4: Yes, sir. That's <laughs>
3: amazing. <laughs> and uh, give us some insight to this program. You kind of on to, touched on it earlier about how, like, everybody, like, it's hard work, and everybody does their thing. But what's some things, like somebody that, to see y'all play on Friday nights, what's some things that you'd like to know about this program that makes it special that we don't see that other than y'all winning on Friday nights?
4: I mean, things that fans don't notice on Friday nights is that it's really hard to win a football game, you know. You have to have uh, everyone, from the offensive line to the receivers to the running backs to the quarterbacks, collectively working as one. Because with that offense, you know, if everyone's not working as one, it's not going to be as productive. And they really don't see how hard we work on a daily basis here at OnStar, you know, the morning lifts and all that stuff. So I guess like all the hard work is really hidden, and you just go out Friday nights and just have fun.
3: Talk about Ranger Nation and all the support that y'all have. Like, they they're rowdy in every sport y'all do, especially football.
4: Oh yes, yeah, crazy here. You know the school is really uh, big on football. You know Texas high school football. It's really big out here. So just having the school support and Frisco support, you know, when we make it a couple rounds deep, and no one else is playing. You know, the people from Frisco come to our games, like parents and stuff, just knowing that we have the ability to go farther than any other team.
3: On a personal note. Give us some insight to your your top five. What's your top five on your list right now?
4: Uh, Right now I have Arizona State, uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas, TCU. You know, those are special to me as coaches have come out to see me and all that stuff, and it's just really important.
3: Hey, Star Local definitely supports you and all of our athletes in our area. Will you give us a heads up when you make that decision so we can can break that news? Yes, sir. And last but not least, just just, – Give a shout-out to anybody you want to, your friends, your family that supported you, because I know you got a lot of support to get on this big stage and do what you do.
4: I mean, yeah, they've always been there from the start, you know, people that have, you know, grounded with me, the people here that have grounded with me ever since middle school, and that's very important to me, you know. Just like, just then, we were all just little kids playing football, now that I've made it, I want them to make it so we can make it together. That would be really important to me.
3: How far is I can tell you? take this very serious. How much, much is it to mentor these younger guys so they keep them going? Cause I saw you talking to a lot of the young. Most guys they do their thing and they put in their work, but the folks don't know what they got to do. I can see you like embrace the mentorship.
4: Yeah, right now it's really not about this year. You know, it's about the future of Star football. And with those younger guys, you have to have some leadership, some mentorship to teach them the ropes. You know, teach them how it goes. And not being able to do that in the game, you have to be able to do it in practice when those guys are there, watching you every move and doing all that stuff. That's set a good example.
3: Yeah, I heard it from the man, my man Marvin. Get ready to watch those uh, Rangers get ready for next year. Kendra Johnson rapping my man Marvin Mims here in Frisco. Signing off for the Fast Forward Rewind.
1: Thanks again to Marvin Mims for taking the time to chat with Kendrick for the Fast Forward Rewind Student Athlete Spotlight. So, uh, gentlemen, to round out our uh, our discussion on seven on seven, kind of a primer for the weeks ahead of seven on seven really gets going in earnest this, this weekend. I think the age old question when it comes to seven on seven, and it's at least it's kind of bit large scale importance for you know for fans and whatnot is okay but does this really mean anything relative to the fall or is this just a way to keep kids busy during the summer and the like i said it there's plenty of different schools of thought for just how you know how important seven on seven can be relative to 11 on 11 do you guys have any stance one way or another and kind of yeah, where y'all fall in that little
3: things like you said attitude you see what people are conditioned, what I was like those coaches will know Hey We see you lacking Or we see that you do Keep doing what you're doing Or hey We need you to do More so you can Hit the ground running Time in with the receivers On the offense Especially If you plan on having Exposed to offense You need your quarterback Dialed in And then You might get somebody You didn't know Could do something Like he, like he was talking about What team was that? That the Switzer Got the receiver? West Mosquito. Oh yeah, yeah. Mosquito. get something like that. Mm-hmm. So you got you another toy that you didn't even know that you had in the spring. So a lot of that stuff all adds up. It's not like a huge thing, but those a lot of little things come in handy if you're trying to win championships.
2: But if you're asking about the correlation, and I don't have to single out any coach yeah. in particular because every coach I've ever talked to has said the same exact thing there is absolutely no correlation <laughs> it's not yeah. real football no. he said there are you know <laughs> we talked about the benefits there yeah. are good things out there their main concern over 7 on 7 is None of my guys get hurt. Yeah. Y'all go out there, you, you, you build that bond. You know, you yeah. have fun, you stay in shape, um, but you know, avoid injuries. And you know, but when it comes down to it, even even teams mm-hmm. that have gone on to the state tournament and even placed one or even placed second, yeah. you come back and you ask the coach afterwards, and they say, you know, it's nice for the kids. It's always great to win. You know, anytime you get up to, to go out there and compete, it's good. Uh, but it doesn't matter at all when it comes down when we start two days a month from now.
1: I went through um, a handful of years ago and did kind of a a study or so on Plano ISD (laughs) and just kind of what, you know, over a 10-year sample, um, the years then when they made state and seven-on-seven versus the years they didn't, what happened later on in those respective seasons. And the the data was all over the place. You had a team, you had a program like Plano East, which, I mean, the data was actually pretty consistent with what you would, I guess, maybe want to expect out of something like that, where the years that they went to state, they averaged about seven and a half wins total. Um, on average, I should say. And then in the years when they didn't go to state, they averaged three and a half wins. So you can see, you know, it's, it's a bit more clear-cut there. But then, you know, you went to a program like Plano, and the the gap closed a bit more. And then with West, it was almost, you know, 50-50. Yeah. So <laughs> well, and, and I, I think, I mean,
2: it's, it, when I say there's no correlation, I, I mean no direct correlation. Yeah, yeah. Certainly these, these programs, these large programs with a lot of great athletes, are going to be good at seven on seven because they got a lot of they have a lot of great athletes. But again, just the, the, the direct causation, I guess, correlation is not. Nice. It's
1: like Plano East offensive coordinator Brad Bailey had. I'm just looking back over the story. He had a pretty good way to summarize it. It just kind of depends on where your program is at. Like Plano East, you know, in his, you know, in their first year under uh, Joey McCullough. I mean, they were coming off a one and nine season after that first year under Coach McCullough, and they just needed to find just something to help just kind of mm-hmm. build and further instill some sort of a winning mentality within the uh, within the program. So we're just going to. See seven on seven is just another chance to do that. Yeah. Whereas you know years later, you know when all those players were uh, you know were seniors, you know it's you're not as concerned. I mean these kids all know each other. There's plenty of chemistry there, and one you know a setback in seven on seven is really not going to be the end of the world for these kids. But it just kind of depends on where your uh, you know where your program is at. I did go back just for just for the sake of you know just uh, another bit of a comparative study, looking back over the last ten years within the Division One uh, State Seven on Seven Tournament. What um you know how the how the seven-on-seven state champion and the state runner-up did that following season in football just to see again what the if there is any sort of consistency there with what to uh with what those teams who had success you know advancing to the final to the championship game in state seven-on-seven what happened later on in the year um you know the results you can kind of take from it what you want you know there was only one state champion over the course of the last 10 years and that was uh, lake travis in 2010 yeah, who was that quarterback who was it? That was back in the. Uh, that was with the five straight or whatever that they had. <laughs> um, there is a little bit little consistency though, in that the past three, um, the past three, uh, let's see, the past three state, uh, Division One state champions, I should say, for uh, for seven on seven, all three have been the state runner up during the fall. You had Lake Travis this past season, Austin-Westlake, I the Woodlands in 2016, and Austin-Westlake in 2015. So there is at least kind of a running theme now that if, you win, if you win state seven-on-seven, seven, there's at least a, a you know a recency yeah. of, of a team getting to the state title game. But you had of those, uh, like I said, it was you know the state champion and the state runner-up over the course of 10 years, 20 total teams. Uh, 17 of the 20 teams made the playoffs. The only teams that didn't were White House 2014, Cy Fair 2009, and sorry, Devin, Mesquite 2008. (laughs) And then, um, you know, you had eight of those 20 teams went four rounds deep. Twelve of those 20 teams went three rounds deep. And um, three teams only went one and done, you know. Kd Seven Lakes, two thousand fourteen, Plano in two thousand twelve, and Richland in two thousand eight. So man, you did a lot of research, man. You got your on uh, bro. live <laughs> was, it was I, had, I had time to prep today. But, uh, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, you kind of see that it's you know there's at least enough of a uh, you know sixty percent of those teams wind up going at least three rounds deep, which a three rounds deep constitutes a solid playoff run, you know, for your, you know for your typical program. So, so,
3: so. basically, if you ball in the spring, <clears throat> don't mean that you're gonna ball in the fall. with a count? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but again, like like we just kind of. Of intimated that just kind of depends on on where your program is at. All in all So yeah We'll see um, We'll see what's to come You know so Like I said Seven on seven Begins in earnest this weekend We got an SQT Out in Grapevine On Saturday um, A handful of teams From our markets Are going to be out there And we've got other ones I just wrote them down We have Hearst is actually A big player in S- As far as hosting These uh, these tournaments um, The Hearst area Is going to host a, An SQT on May 26th And then later On June 16th uh, Northwest Up in, uh, up in Justin uh, They host one On June 9th And then Rowlett Devin hosts one On uh, June yes. 22nd <laughs> uh,
2: Always one of the more wheels-off (laughs) SQTs. Wow.
1: so uh, yeah we'll see if uh, just how many teams we have headed to College Station in about a, what is it about a, in about six weeks time but um, yeah in the meantime then that's uh, just kind of a look at some seven on seven like I said next week we're going to really hit spring football in earnest preview our 6A and 5A districts we're going to focus Mondays on 6A Thursdays on 5A so we hope that y'all will uh, give those a look otherwise folks this has been Matt Welch with, the, uh, with Star Local Media Devin, Kendrick appreciate y'all for tagging along folks y'all enjoy the rest of your week we will talk to y'all later thanks again to our sponsor star local media 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online star local media your community voice for news
0: looking to hire top talent in your community look no further than starlocaljobs.com our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area